Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talaya Dindi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talaya Dendi, and today we have a very special guest with us, Marcy Greenberg-Cox. And, you know, I just can't wait for you guys to hear Marcy's story. She has done some amazing things, even though she was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. Marcy Greenberg-Cox is the author of Mommy Has a Boo-Boo, Explaining Breast Cancer to Children. In 2018, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer while undergoing an aggressive course of treatment, which included a double mastectomy without reconstruction surgery, chemotherapy, which resulted in complete hair loss and everything else related to cancer. She also has written journals such as Mommy Has a Boo Boo, Now What? and the Breast Cancer GPS. Marcy, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I cannot wait, Marcy. You have done so many great things since your diagnosis. And let's just dive right in. You know, please uh, share your cancer journey and how you received your diagnosis. Yeah. So in 2018, um, I I was taking a shower with my daughter. And I hardly ever do self exams. And I said, I'm just going to feel it because she's soaping herself up, whatever. And she was five at the time. So I I have a, I had a one-year-old and a five-year-old. They are now four and eight. And so I'm feeling around and I felt something on the left side. And I said to my husband, I'm feeling something. I don't, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. So I made him feel it too. And he goes, yeah, let's get you into the doctor. Um, because two years prior to that, I felt something on my right side and it ended up being a uh, fibroid. And so at 38, I had my first mammogram. And so as people know, typically it's around 40 is when you have your first mammogram, unless there's breast cancer runs in your family, or you have a symptom like I did two years prior. So I went into my gynecologist and she felt it. She thought the fibroid maybe had come back just on the other side, but again, just to be safe. She goes, I want you to have a mammogram and an ultrasound. And so I had scheduled it and they scheduled me for three weeks out because they were going to do the 3d and something in the back of my head said to me, you need to get in sooner. And I always say to people now, listen to what your gut says, because thank goodness I did because they got me in that same week. Good. And it was November 13th. Um, is when I went in for the mammogram and ultrasound and the radiation doctor came in and she goes, do you have another hour? Cause we'd like to do a biopsy. And I was like, well, I guess I don't have a choice. And of course I start getting very scared. Yes. And 
I got very lucky too, because I've heard of other women that have to wait another week or so to get a biopsy. So I said, of course, if you need to do it now, let's do it. And so when I was there, the nurse said to me, um, you'll probably find out tomorrow, but the radiologist said to me, you'll probably find out on Friday. And so of course, Thursday comes around and, you know, I hadn't heard anything. I called in, they still hadn't gotten the results back. So I took my daughter to her swim lesson and about 3.30, I said to my husband, I'm going to give them a call. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And she gets back on the phone with me within, I don't know, seconds, a minute. And she goes, I'm so sorry, you have cancer. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm in shock, just like anyone who finds out they have cancer is in shock. And my daughter luckily did not even go into swimming yet. She was still waiting for her name to be called. So I said, we're out of here. All of a sudden I started crying. So of course everyone knew something was going on. Yeah. I grabbed the baby who was in her car seat. We got in the car. Uh, my daughter says to me, mommy, mommy, what's wrong? Cause I'm, I'm crying hysterically. And I said, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Um, mommy's going to fix this. We're going to fix this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, she's never seen me so hysterical before. Yes. And so was I saying that to reassure myself? Probably, <laughs> yes. Um, but also just to reassure them because my kids were so young. All I, all I kept thinking was like, oh my God, I want to see my kids grow up and have their own families and whatever. Um, so of course, I don't even remember driving home. Yes. You know, I called my husband, I called my aunt and my brother. My parents were actually out of the country in Israel. So I could not tell them and we decided my brother and my aunt and I all decided that I was going to ignore their phone calls um, and pretend like I was very busy with work because I'm a workaholic anyway. And my parents get that, they, they know that. And so I didn't want to ruin their vacation for them. Right. So we waited till they got home and it was like a week later. So it was, it was very hard for me to, um, you know, have to tell them. And so my brother and I had this whole plan that, you know, we would zoom with them and we would say to them, you know, how was Israel and then tell them the bad news. And of course, my brother, he's, he's three years older than me, starts crying and he's there at seven in the morning. So which is mm. four o'clock Arizona time. <clears throat> and so first my mom had a red flag. So she goes, why is your brother here this early? Why are we calling you? And why is your brother crying? Mm-hmm. They and know. So of course, I just had to come out and say, mommy. <laughs> yeah. at, four, at 40 years old, I had to call her mommy. I was like, mommy, I have breast cancer. And she, at first she didn't believe it. She thought it was her fault because she mm-hmm. smoked, you know, all like forever. She, and she's still a mm-hmm. smoker. And so my dad's in bed going, what, what's going on? Cause you know, he's still half asleep. And, uh, so, you know, so we told him what was going on. And so good and bad news. I mean, the good news is, um, they're snowbirds here in Arizona, which means that they have a home here half the time of the year. Mm-hmm. And so they came out for pretty much the full year of, of my treatments and everything. So I was very lucky that um, I had that support because they took my kids on the weekends. I had chemo and I didn't even know I was going to have chemo yet. Um, I ended up doing my surgery first and because they thought the tumor was a lot smaller than it was, mm-hmm. I thought it was like 0.9 centimeters. And I did all the scans. I did an MRI. I did a CAT scan. I ended up with a PET scan at the very end after getting denied twice by insurance. Wow. Um, and 
they didn't see it in my lymph nodes. And so I said to all my doctors, I looked them straight in the eye and I said, if I was your mom, your daughter, your sister, whatever, what, what would you recommend? And they said, take them off. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. Cause I had the choice to do the lumpectomy. Right. And for me, I was so afraid that I would kept wondering when it would go into the other breast or when it would come back. Mm-hmm. And so I just, uh, I said, fine, take them both. We ended up taking both of them. And from then they didn't even send it out for the oncotype. And the oncotype is a score that mm-hmm. says if you, if chemo is going to be beneficial or not. Right. And so they didn't do that because they ended up taking 12 of my lymph nodes and four of them were precancerous. Oh. So my doctor says, you don't have a choice. He goes, you're 40, you're doing chemo and you're doing radiation. Okay, Marcy. So let's pause right there for a second. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned about your mother. She felt guilty. And I know that um, you mentioned that she's a smoker. Did cancer happen to run in your family at all? Did your mother have cancer, breast cancer before? Um, Was there any family history? Not of breast cancer. I mean, when they, when they, ask you your family history, they'll only go back to immediate family or maybe first cousins. But I did have, I want to say she's my third cousin because it's my dad's first. So maybe my second cousin. Um, She did have breast cancer. I had another cousin who had ovarian cancer, but they were a little far related according to the doctors. So they didn't really count that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a grandparent um, had leukemia one had, I think, colon cancer. So, but breast cancer didn't run my family. So mm-hmm. it was such a fluke. And That's I ended up getting the genetic testing, which came back negative. Wow. So it's the BRCA1 and the BRCA2 gene. They did find another mutation, which they didn't know too much about. And so when my five years is up, um, they want me to get retested again, just to see if anything has changed. Sure. So I ended up not doing a hysterectomy. Um, because I, my diagnosis, I ended up being, um, invasive ductal carcinoma. So Mm -hmm. IDC, and then I was hormone positive. So we call it ERPR positive and I was HER2 negative. And so when my HER2 negative, that pretty much determined that I was going to have my surgery first, especially because my bracket genes were negative. Okay. And so if those had been reversed and it was positive and my BRCA was positive, then for sure I'd be doing a double mastectomy and then most likely chemo first. Okay. But in my case, I ended up doing the surgery first and then found out I had to do chemo and radiation. Okay. Thank you for explaining that for the audience. I know that's going to be very helpful for some ladies out there or, or even men if they, yeah. you know, have to have breast cancer. Um, so, okay. So let's get back to the, your surgery and, uh, the mastectomy that you had. And so let's talk about that a little bit, because after that is complete, Marcy, I understand that there's still more decisions that have to be made. So can you please share with us, you know, what decision you made and how you came to that decision? Sure. So um, a lot of women have the option to have reconstruction. And you can either get implants or there's another thing called deep flap where they take the tissue and the fat from your abdomen area, sometimes the back, and they will make breasts out of your own skin. 
And I knew for me, I, I was 99% sure I was going to stay flat. I knew I did not want implants, even though I was small anyway. And, and, you know, I had some people say, Hey, you're going to get the size you've always wanted now, <laughs> um, which, Hey, sounds great. But realistically, I just, I did not want a foreign object in my body. I understand. I've been reading up as well about the breast cancer, uh, breast implant illness. And I was just so afraid that I would have some type of reaction. So I knew I didn't want to do that. The deep flap also scared me. Um, I saw a bunch of women with pictures that had open wounds, but if the skin does not take, if your own skin does not take, they can't reuse different skin. So they have to put an implant in you. And so that made me nervous. Plus it was a 13 hour surgery. And they even said to me that surgery is longer if you had open heart surgery. And for me, I was like, I do not want to be under for 13 hours. That scares me. And if my skin doesn't take, and I've got all these issues, I didn't want to deal with that. And then even if you do implants or the deep flap, you still have to have more surgery on top of that, because then you have to have what is called fat grafting to smooth things out, even them up. So both sides are the same and, you know, or very similar and I was like, that's not for me. I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't have time for all these surgeries. My kids are young. Like I just want to move on with life. Mm-hmm. So I decided to stay flat. I did um, get prosthetics and I actually got two sets. I got um, one, which is called knitted knockers. Mm-hmm. And those are free women knit them for you. And it's a breast form. Um, and you can take the stuffing out of it if you want. And then you can, you know, insert it into a bra. The other ones I actually got were, were the actual prosthetic that feels like a, a breast. And again, you stick it into the mastectomy bras. And so, I mean, I, I wear those occasionally. It probably, I mean, I probably worn them maybe now 10 times in the three years because I'm coming up on three years. Wow. And so I just, I enjoy being flat. I, it doesn't not, bo- it does not bother me at all. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of like, it also helps show my girls too, because I did put on the prosthetics the other day and my <laughs> eight-year-old looks at me and goes, mommy, what are you wearing? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, that does not look like you at all. She goes, oh take those goodness. off. Oh, and I love kids. Actually thinking a warm feeling in my, in, you know, a warm, like fuzzy feeling. Cause I'm teaching my girls that it's okay to look different. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. So she's like, mom, don't do that. No, (laughs) she's like, what? (laughs) That's wonderful. And just to have, you know, kids are so innocent and honest, very honest anyway. And just for her to say that, God, that, that must've felt so good. Like, Hey, what? I don't need to do this. (laughs) Right. Right. And I want my girls to, to be proud of who they are and what they look like, you know, with all that body imaging out there and everything, like, I just want them to understand. It doesn't matter what you look like. You love the person for who they are and everything. And my husband was on board from day one that said, take them off and don't do anything. He's like, you're done. Stay flat. So at least I had that backup support as well. Absolutely. And that is so critical, especially if you're married or you have a partner. I know a lot of times you just said it, there's so much coming from society about body image and all of that. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of women feel like they're no longer feminine if they have to, you know, be flat or something like that. So they feel pressured to 
you know, have those other procedures that you mentioned, and they sound like they can create other issues down the road. It just sounds like a lot after you've already been through chemotherapy and other surgeries. So I understand why you came to that conclusion. And I want to applaud you for that. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Marcy, for, for sharing that, because I know that there's someone out there who needs to hear about your experience and that it turned out just fine and you're happy with your decision. So thank you. So um, Marcy, what helped you thrive after cancer? So basically, it, you know, it brought out a passion in me. And because my husband always said to me, what is, what are you passionate about? And I said, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been doing um, real estate for, I'm going on 21 years and I, I, you know, I still love my job, but there's definitely parts of me that are burnt out from it. And he always said, well, what would you do if you didn't do real estate? I said, I don't know. And then I got cancer and all of a sudden I just wanted to help other women in my situation. And I started writing um, really just for my own healing purposes. I did YouTube videos, um, just to share everything. I was an open book and I started writing and I said to myself, I'm going to publish this. And because when I was looking for books to read to my daughters, there really was not anything that touched based about a woman staying flat. There was books about, you know, mommy's going to lose her hair or mommy's going to have a mastectomy or, you know, mommy's going to you know, mommy has breast cancer and here's whatever. So my book I ended up writing was mommy has a boo-boo explaining breast cancer to children. And that it, it touches base about those things. Like mommy's going to have surgery. So basically it was my journey. Mommy was having surgery. She's going to have to do medicine. Mommy's going to look different, but you know what? She's still the same mommy. She still loves you. And when you hug her and you hug her even closer because the breasts aren't in the way that you can actually hear her heart beating. Oh, I love so, that. you know, just really teaches the kids like, Hey, mommy may look different. You know, she's going to lose her hair, whatever, but she's still the same mommy. She still loves you in the end. And so I, I wrote that one and I ended up publishing that in 2020. And from there, and I thought that I was going to be one book and done, but then I started just things just started coming up in my mind. And and I ended up writing a journal to go along with that book because kids have so many questions. Yes. And my daughter, my, my eight-year-old five at the time, just kept asking all these questions. Like, you know, she would go to her grandparents' house. So it's like, who's picking her up from school? Who's taking her to this? You know, what does mommy have to do? Like her and I, I got her matching wigs. So we both had rainbow mm -hmm. wigs because nice. I wanted to make it fun for them. And I, I didn't yeah. want them to be so scared. And so I came up with this book, Mommy Has a Boo-Boo, Now What? And so it's a journal that has, um, it's also like a discussion coloring book because I took pictures from the children's book and it's questions that the parent and child can discuss. So I think the first page, there's a picture of a woman um, breastfeeding or, or doing something, a leg and then, you know, a woman's head. And it says, where's mommy's boo-boo? And so the mm -hmm. child could point and go, you know, it's in her boob. Mm -hmm. um, Another one is, okay, mommy's going to lose her hair. What ideas can you help make fun? And I've got some pictures of baseball caps and different hats and wigs. And then I say, draw something else that might help mommy. And so it gives them that thing, gives them that, that um, just that sense of, hey, hopefully mommy's going to be okay. 
because mm-hmm. th- there is one question in that book that every kid wants to know is mommy going to die yes and you Understood. have to have that discussion yes I mean, it, it's so hard it's so heartbreaking to even think about that but I mean I was thinking about that because I was like oh my god what's going to happen with my girls do I start writing them letters mm. if I'm not going to be around yeah and, and they're so, so young you know, yeah and they're so young it's like but I just I always had that mentality to think about the future yeah so I, I wanted parents to ha- be able to have those discussions even if they're hard ones and so they're afraid to bring them up. So they're, they're in the book <laughs> So I I, I, as much as I could in there. And then I came up with another one called the breast cancer GPS. And it's for newly diagnosed women, because when I went through it, um, my friend, Jamie, she is actually a two-time cancer survivor now because she was recently diagnosed again, but I had reached out to her when I first found out. And I said, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know mm-hmm. who to call. And she had already gone through it. And so she had researched doctors and she had given me um, some stuff. And she said, you need to come in with your medical history. Yes. And so I put that all together in a journal and it's got, you know, your list of medications, um, supplements, over the counter meds, um, you know, family history, who else in your family has had cancer? Because every time you go into the doctor's office, they ask those questions mm-hmm. and who can remember everything and exactly. who wants to write it down so many times? Mm-hmm. So I have it in the journal. And then from there, I also have questions to ask all these different doctors, because That's I know great. so many women on my Facebook group sites are like, what do I ask? And so I've got questions to ask your plastic surgeon, your oncologist, your radiologist, and your, um, I missed one, radiologist, I think. Mm-hmm. So I've got questions there. Now I may not have hit every question. So I do have a blank space where you can add your own questions in there. Yes. But then as you move forward, then I've got tips and tricks through all of your treatments. So from um, surgery to chemo to radiation, you know, what tips and tricks might you need? And so it's just a really helpful journal um, Mm -hmm. that I've gotten a lot of great feedback from. And so I've just, I've been going through that and just, and making some more, I've got a couple other journals out there. My daughter is now an author and I did uh, two coloring books together. And so I've, I've really thrived from it. I've turned lemons into lemonades to answer your question. Yes, that's right. (laughs) You know, I I just made it where I'm helping women. I I volunteer with a couple organizations here in Arizona and I'm just, I'm just giving back and I'm helping these women that are, that have been newly diagnosed because they, they don't know what to do. They don't know who to turn to. And I've been Mm -hmm. there. I've done that. And, you know, when you're able to give back like that, of course, no one wants to be diagnosed with cancer, but then you're able to look back and say, you know what? It was worth it because now I can pay it forward to these women who are in a situation that I was in where I didn't know what to do. I was afraid. And so thank you for all that you do um, for people that have been diagnosed with breast cancer. I do have one question for you, and that is regarding the surgery um, that you had. In the healing process, what is one piece of advice that you have for people that choose to remain flat and have a, a double mastectomy? Well, you need to learn to accept yourself. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to, you know, I had some pain and I slept in a recliner for probably a month because I had drains in in me and stuff, Mm -hmm. but you have to learn to accept yourself. And what I mean by that is 
I kind of looked at the positive because now I got a new wardrobe from it. Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't really know how to dress. I mean, there's still times where I'll wear shirts that are, um, you know, t-shirts without, without a bra or anything. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I, I started to use stitch fix, which is an online site. And I've been using it for three years now. Okay. And you just tell them I, I went in, I said, I had a double mastectomy. I remained flat. So I need something to accentuate the top part. So they would send me clothes with ruffles or stripes oh, nice. or, you know, things to really, you know, make it look like maybe I'm wearing a bra or whatever, just so the eyes are not drawn to that area. Mm-hmm. And so I even went into Macy's and got their personal shopper and had them help me. So, you know, it, I made it, I made it fun. So now I look forward, like every three months I get new outfits. I'm like, do I like it? If not, I ship it back. Nice. Um, but you know, you know, so it's like, you, you just got to learn to accept yourself. And mm-hmm. just like my daughters have now accepted me because they know mommy doesn't have any breasts. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's really learning to love yourself. Mm-hmm. and accepting who you are. Um, there's still going to be like, I, I'm three years out, but I'm still on long-term medication. And so my body has changed. I've gained weight from it. Yes. And so I'm trying to learn to love my new shape than what I was Absolutely. before. And so it's really, it's all about accepting. And, you know, you mentioned a lot of changes and I think too, when someone's newly diagnosed, they don't really realize how many changes are going to take place, not just, you know, to your body, but, you know, sometimes to your mind, Mm -hmm. um, your spirit, just a lot of things change. And for some people, that's hard to grasp. Um, But, you know, just people like you sharing your story that that can make it so much easier for people. And then they don't feel like, well, you know, I'm the only person gaining weight or I'm the only person whose body is totally different now. And, um, you know, that's part of the journey. And you know what? Thankfully, you're still here, even though you've had all these changes. So thank you, Marcy. And so, Marcy, I like to ask my guests two questions. And um, the first one is, what is something that you've learned in life that you would like to share with the audience? What have I learned in life? I guess don't take things for granted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've always, like I said, in the past, I've I've been a workaholic. Um, I like live in my office and, and just do so much. And I never really took time out for myself or for my family. And I used to love traveling. And so when I was diagnosed, um, I said to my husband, we're going to, we're going to travel more. And so I had booked things, of course, unfortunately COVID hit. So I did have to cancel a few things. Um, But we said, you know what, screw it. Like we're, we're going to make, find the money for it and and go and do these things. So even if we did, like we went up to Flagstaff um, and got an Airbnb and just got away for the weekend, which was perfect. Um, I did, uh, when I was, uh, in remission, everything, my husband and I went on a celebration trip. My mom and I took a celebration trip. And so it's like, we want to do more of that stuff, um, just to get out there. And like just a few, few months ago, him and I went to Las Vegas and my parents watched the kids and that was so needed. Him Mm. and I actually connected more because that's another thing too. I mean, even though you've got a supportive spouse or partner, you've, you've got to get that connection again, because 
even though I look different, I feel different, my mood, whatever, something was wrong in our marriage as well. And so we were able to reconnect and Mm -hmm. we're still working on things ourselves, but it's definitely a turning point to the positive side. Um, Because I know a lot of people have gotten divorced once they've been diagnosed with cancer. And so there's just so many different things besides the way you look, It's, it's the way you feel and, and just, you know, just looking in, in the future, like, Hey, is this where I want to be? Mm-hmm. And things like that. So you've got to, I really just take, I'm taking that all in. I'm still learning because I'm in therapy. Yeah. And so I'm still learning all of that stuff. Um, and, and it's an ongoing process. So. Absolutely. Definitely. And that's another thing too. People think that, you know, I'm done with the treatment you know, that's it. It's just going to go back to normal. And no, it's, it's ongoing. It's a continuum. And um, I think, you know, some people get really discouraged because they thought that, you know what, this is just going to be, I'm just going to get through these six months or a year or whatever, and it'll be fine. And um, you provided a great example that it's ongoing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Marcy. And so Marcy, what is next for you? Well, I'm actually working on a couple things. I'm working on my next children's book and it's about a child learning that they have cancer. So I've got it in the editing stages right now. Wow. I've also started my own publishing company called Pad to Publishing, and that's to help other people become authors to be a self-published author. And so I've, right. I've been just, I've been having fun with it and I, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds and and just, you know, go from there. Hopefully my daughter will write some more books with me. So nice. And, you know, I'm so excited about the children's book that you're working on because, you know, we always hear about adults with cancer, but we don't really hear a whole lot other than the St. Jude commercials about children who get diagnosed with cancer. Right. And really from um, what I've learned talking with parents, they feel like they're going through it also. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like they've been diagnosed as well. So thank you for doing that. It is so important and much needed. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got two families that um, I know that their children have gone through it. And so I, you know, I've reached out to them to, to read it and I've reached out to a nurse. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. I think, I think this will definitely be helpful because I also want to make it like an, um, eight books actually, where it's going to be a boy version and a girl version, but then mm-hmm. the different ethnicities, because nice. I want, you know, white African-American, I'm thinking Asian, and then I'm, I'm debating on my last one, but I want the kids to see themselves in the books and go, Hey, there's someone like me. Yes, absolutely. And that's so important as well. Marcy, I do want to talk about your publishing company quickly because a lot of people that have, you know, went through cancer, they end up writing books. Tell us a little bit about your company and how you help people get their, their books out there and get started. Yeah. So it's, again, it's called pad to publishing and basically uh, your, your book needs to be written and hopefully edited. If not, I can help you find an editor, but then I've got a team Um, So if you want a children's book or coloring books or do a combination or do a journal um, or whatever you're thinking, I can certainly help you with that. My team can help you with that by putting the formatting it together. And because people don't realize what all goes into publishing a book, 
Mm-hmm. And if you want to self-publish, I mean, it, it is time consuming. There is money that's involved. And so I want to help you with that. And I've got the team to do that by hiring an illustrator or doing a design cover or formatting the book for an ebook or for if you want a paperback versus a hardcover book. So there's so many things that factor into it. And so that's what my company can help you guys with. Wonderful. Marcy, you are doing a lot of wonderful things. And um, I want to ask you to share with the audience, if someone wants to connect with you, find your books, learn more about the work that you're doing, where can they find you? Yep. So my website is floorpublishing.com. It's F-L-O-R publishing. And my books can are, are also, you have an access to that as well. They're all on Amazon. There's some on Barnes and Noble, some on Walmart. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, which is Marcy G. Cox author. And I'm on Facebook under Marcy Greenberg Cox author. And so just follow me along as, as I continue on with my journey. And, and I'd, I'd love to share it with the world. Wonderful. Thank you, Marcy. And before we leave today, is there anything else any other advice or anything else you'd like to share with the audience? So I've got a motto that I that I well that I go with, and it's "You're a fighter, not a quitter." And just tell people, you know, you're going to get through it. Um, I know there's so many women, you know, that are also stage four, but you fight. You fight as hard as you can, and you know, I, I my heart goes out to everybody whether it's breast cancer or any type of cancer. And, you know, you just, you do, you do what you can and what you, what you will, the strong willed and, and whatever. And and you just, you, you fight, you fight as hard as you can to get through it. Wonderful. Thank you, Marcy, for those words of encouragement and for, again, for all that you do, I'm just so impressed that you have a family you're a realtor, you've been through so much and you're just still putting out a lot of great and loving um, resources and books and things like that. So keep doing what you're doing. Congratulations on three years also. Thank you, I appreciate it. And it's been such a pleasure talking with you, Marcy. Before we end today, I wanna give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you for joining us. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you appreciate the show, drop a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For notes from the show, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. After you check out the show notes, head over to my gift shop and show yourself or someone special in your life some love with gifts of encouragement, hope, and positive affirmations. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.